Welcome to The Secret Life of Parkinson's, a podcast trying to break the barriers and stigma around PD to lessen the fear. It's a disease no one likes to talk about. When people hear Parkinson's, they're afraid, even if they don't know exactly what it is. This podcast is led by Parkinson's patients talking about their daily life with PD. I'm your host, Jessica Krauser. Hi, everyone, and welcome to our segment, Is There a Doctor in the House? There is. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I'm your host, Jessica Krauser, and I'm here with my co-host, Brian Baker. Hey, hey. And we have our very special guest, movement disorder specialist, Dr. Patel. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you so much for coming. Yes, thank you for making time for us. Um, So I'm really excited that you are on our our little podcast show that we now started. Um, Because I met you a couple years ago at Mm -hmm. a young onset networking something or other. Mm -hmm. And you were presenting, and I was still very early on in my diagnosis. And my husband and I just like, we just went right to you. Because after hearing (laughs) you speak, I'm like, He's, he's speaking in like real words that I understand and, and I can understand and know now what, you know, questions I can ask and you're just going to tell me versus all the terminology that we hear. So super excited to have you and, and talk about um, real things about Parkinson's that we have questions on. So before we jump in, I'd like to, if you can give us a little bit of your background and where... Sure, sure. Yeah. So um, uh, Shneha Patel, I am a movement disorder specialist. I work right now with Ohio Health. I had my training at the uh, University of Miami in Jackson Memorial Hospital down in Florida, where um, I did my neurology residency, and I was a chief resident down there. And then I moved to Cleveland Clinic, um, a big change, moving from <laughs> Miami to Cleveland, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where I did my movement disorder fellowship there. I did that for two years, and then I worked there for a couple of years afterwards. Um, uh, which was really exciting, and then I got the opportunity to move to Columbus with Ohio Health to expand the movement disorder program down here, uh, and um, so that's where I am now, and it's, it's great. What made you get into neurology? Um, it's funny. I, I tell my patients, and people ask me that, is I'm pretty sure I have ADD, <laughs> um, and um, neurology to me, the brain is so fascinating. And no matter what, I walk in, the next patient walk into the door, the next patient I'm going to go see in the hospital, no two patients are the same. And that keeps my attention. No two headache is the same, just like no two Parkinson patient is the same. Um, and so it keeps me on my toes all day long, and I'm never bored. And so it, it really helps with my ADD to be a neurologist. I think that's really important for the one of the questions that we had of like being specific yeah. on your diagnoses. Right. Right. So like for no two Parkinson's patients are the same. Definitely not. It's important to see a movement specialist, right? Yeah. So, and that's Parkinson's disease is not a cookie cutter disease, right? There's definitely no two patients same. No two patients have the same constellation of symptoms. No two patients have the same medication regimen. And not everyone's going to respond the same way. And just because mm-hmm. someone had some side effect of this medication, oh, I don't know if I really want to try that, doesn't mean that's going to happen to you. Or just because one responded really well to one doesn't mean that that response is going to happen to you. Um, and that's sort of what makes this disease very very unique and honestly it's, it's part of the reason why we still don't have a cure for Parkinson's mm-hmm. or even a diagnostic test for Parkinson's because because it is so uh, ambiguous in terms of patients being so different 
that it's hard to, to you know, we know in terms of science and, and diagnosis, we have an animal model and that animal model is very specific mm-hmm. to a disease and they have symptoms and then we try to come up with treatments with that and then put that and when we translate that to humans, there are things that work and things don't. And with Parkinson's, it becomes very challenging because when you generalize it to the population as a whole, the Parkinson population as a whole, it's tough because everyone is so different. It's such a heterogeneous population. There's there's nothing that makes me more sick when I talk to somebody and they said, well, my I said, who, who, who's your neurologist or who's your movement disorder specialist? And they said, I haven't seen one. My, my my general practitioner just told me to take this medication. I've had a handful of people mm-hmm. tell me that they just seen their general practitioner. Yeah. They, they wrote a script for sediment and said, take as much as you want until you feel better. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not, you you know. Right. And and that's, that is, part, part of it comes from, there's, in general, neurologists are always in demand. There just aren't that many of them and in specifically movement disorder neurologists. And so we're fortunate in Columbus to have Mm -hmm. as many as we do here. Um, And so a lot of patients are stuck with a a family practitioner may diagnose them, but even the diagnosis, because there is no blood test, there is no MRI finding, Mm -hmm. there is no, you have this, that means you definitely have Parkinson's disease. It does become challenging because patients will be diagnosed with quote unquote Parkinson's and then they get put on all these medications, certain medications, certain side effects. Being being a, this is somewhat biased because this Parkinson's is near and dear to my heart. So of course I would be like, if I, you have Parkinson's, come see me mm-hmm. versus continuing to, to with whoever you have. Because um, as a specialist, you have the different nuances and different techniques to know. Well, you know, we know Cinemet, sure, three times a day, but three times a day doesn't mean morning, noon, and night which a lot of patients may not know that. And Mm -hmm. three times a day is, you know, during the day while you're awake, it's symptom control. Things like little tweaks to that, that that you get from a movement disorder specialist, you may not get from. I get so many patients who were referred to me or started coming to see me that were being managed by a not movement disorder specialist before. And and these are the little things. They may be doing fine, but Mm -hmm. these sort of tweaks that could give them, you know, the different exercises, the different, the the impact of what exercise can do for you. and being able to manage things like hey constipation that's part of the disease right and and people think oh well i don't know i'm just constipated but you realize if you're constipated the pills have to get to where it needs to the intestine to get absorbed for it to actually do a job and if it's not doing that because you're so backed up well Mm -hmm. then it's not going to work the pills are going to work so we have to manage all those things mood right neurologists are are hard to find if neurology is hard psychiatry forget it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really hard and so I mean I am a lot of my Parkinson patients I'm their psychiatrist mm-hmm. I'm, I'm managing their medications because I know that over 50 60 percent of Parkinson patients have comorbid depression anxiety mm-hmm. and they're not just depressed and anxious because they have Parkinson's it's part of the disease it's part of the chemical yeah. imbalance and so you have to treat that and address that because if you don't remember how much cinnamon i give you you're not going to get better right right so that's what and i can't be like okay well i'm not going to give you cinnamon until you see a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. no that's not going to work like that's on me so i have to treat it and address it so how often do you see misdiagnosis um it's not that's hard because it's it's misdiagnosis because because there's not a diagnostic test and there's so many mimics of parkinson's Mm -hmm that the question is is this parkinson's disease is this one of the atypical parkinson's is this something more like a drug-induced parkinson's 
What about like the Parkinsonism? I hear that. What is right. that? So that's where I saw patients. You know, when I talking to patients about diagnosing them, here's the thing. If I'm going to tell you you have Parkinson's, you you got to be you got to sit down and be ready for the conversation, mm -hmm. right? So so you know, I I usually start with, hey, you know, there is no one can say you or anybody else a hundred percent has Parkinson's mm -hmm. disease unless they cut open your head, slice your brain in pieces, look under a microscope. We're not going to do that, mm -hmm. right? So that at least we've now kind of had a little joke that that kind of broke <laughs> the tension a little bit. So that gets a chuckle out of them sometimes, um, <laughs> but um, at least then that sort of put them a little bit like okay. But so then I say okay, you know, we're not going to do that. So what do we do? We base it off of what is it you tell us? What is it we see whenever we examine you? Right. First and foremost, you have to have slowed down. It takes you longer to get things done. Mm -hmm. With slowing down, there's either a tremor stiffness or walking difficulty mm -hmm. if you have at least two of those you have parkinsonism so that's what parkinsonism is parkinsonism is just a constellation of having those symptoms hmm. now the number one cause of parkinsonism is parkinson's disease but it's not the only thing there are a lot of things that looked act mimic like parkinson's but it's not parkinson's itself so what makes it is it true i told the story i don't know if you saw the podcast where my neurologist told me like Sexually transmitted diseases like can mask as Parkinson's. Is that true or not? Can so, unmask Parkinson's? Yeah. Yeah. So the thing is, it's it's Parkinson's from our understanding. It's just a weird question. I, right. <laughs> I just don't know if it's it true. It keeps coming so, up. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. It's not. It's the fact that the whatever infection it is, okay. whether it's an STD, whether it's a UTI, whether it's pneumonia, whatever infection it is, put a stress on your body. We know that patients with Parkinson's. So before you start having you before you start having the physical symptoms the tremor the falling things mm -hmm. like that when that starts presenting you've already lost 80 percent of your dopamine stores really oh, wow. so this disease has been happening years before it's really manifesting itself mm -hmm. how soon we don't know there's a lot of research going on about you know when is this happening how early can we detect it what are the things like oh i haven't had my smell for years Mm -hmm. Was that the beginning of your Parkinson's? I've been constipated most of my life. I've been yelling. Oh, they've been yelling, screaming, shouting in their sleep. Oh, that's they've always done that. Is that that's part of Parkinson's? Is that when the disease? Is that when the dopamine started? You started losing dopamine. Hmm. So what's happening is the brain is phenomenal about compensating, and then now all of a sudden you got this infection, right? So your brain is functioning like the up here, and someone who doesn't have Parkinson's, you give them an infection, they feel like crap. Right? They start, they go down here, you feel like crap until you get better, then you go back up. Now you take someone who has this disease in their brain. So they're already down here. Now you give them an infection. Boom. Okay. And there's your, now the brain is no longer being able to compensate because it's trying to deal with this infection okay. instead. And so the symptoms become present. Okay. Did the STD cause Parkinson's? No. <laughs> Did it unmask what had already been happening because the body was stressed and was fighting this infection? Yes. Hmm. And there's a lot of patients who say they were in the hospital because their appendix or gallbladder or heart surgery and they woke up with a tremor. Was it the surgery that did it? No. They've had it, but they the stress that the surgery put on the body uh, now unmasked the tremor, uh, and here it is. Huh. And this is your disease. That's interesting. It yeah. is. <laughs> Are your questions answered? Um, so, what's your approach? And like, I know you said you you sit people down, you try and like make light of it a yeah. little bit, but how do you talk to somebody about their 
initial diagnosis. So that, so I'll start with that and then I'll say, then I'll go approach, you know, okay, you have told me that you've slowed down. And then when I'm examining them, doing these things Mm -hmm. that that you do with your doctor, um, you know, I show them, hey, you know, you were slower and you admit to me that you, it was slower for you. There is some stiffness there. When you walk, you may not swing your arm, Mm -hmm. Um, things like that, that, you know, to me putting all that together, I think this is Parkinson's disease. I will go on and continue with the spiel of, I want you to know, it is a very slowly progressive disease. No one dies from Parkinson's. You die with Parkinson's, not from Parkinson's, Mm -hmm. but it affects your quality of life. And our job is to work together to improve and maintain the best quality of life. It is a slowly progressive disease. I don't have a cure. And the only thing proven to slow it down even more is exercise aerobic exercise getting you to move better i promise you that is the only thing that's been proven to get to slow this disease down and i say that before i even start on anything regarding the medications mm. and then i talk to them regarding whatever's going on with med- medication may put them on now i still say all of that and whether i'm starting meds i'm not starting meds which med i know that after I mentioned the word, I said they have Parkinson's disease, they're walking out of my office and not remembering anything mm-hmm. I said after that. Yeah. Even though I said it, there's 99% chance they will not remember anything. Yeah. And that's okay, which is why I want them, I send them home with my packet of information I want them to use instead mm-hmm. of Dr. Google. <laughs> and uh, I do that, read this, and I bring them back to see me in two to four weeks mm. to let it process, come back, let's talk. And then we have other sort of, you know, intro to Parkinson's, Zoom classes, things like that, that, that we do where they could get more information while this is processing in to kind of figure more out because mm-hmm. they didn't, no matter how much I told them, they yeah. weren't going to remember. Yeah, the, the one thing I appreciate from my the MDS I saw initially was he said, you tell me when you're on medication. You know, you know your body better than I know it. So when you get to that point, and for the first year I didn't go on medication, and I got to the point where I couldn't move. I was too stiff. Mm-hmm. And I said, it's time. Yeah, because yeah, the medication, remember, it's not, the none of the medicines are there to slow down the disease. The medication is symptom control. Mm-hmm. The most important question that I ask my patients when they come to see me is, what bothers you the most? Mm-hmm. What symptom bothers you the most? If it's your constipation, let's treat that. If it's your swallowing difficulty or your drooling, let's treat that. And so it doesn't necessarily have to be Parkinson's, here's some sentiment, right. right? No, it's symptom control. It's what's bothering you, let's treat that. Yes, I have a tremor. At the end of the day, a shake is just a shake. Mm-hmm. Am I gonna throw drugs at you just because you have a slight shake that that's just resting, it's not limiting you, you're able to do everything you wanna do, but it's annoying? Yeah, it's annoying. Do you want to try a med for it? Sure. If not, I, uh, I know what it is. That's fine. I'll deal with it. Um, so mm-hmm. it's all based on the patient. Yes. How much, what bothers the patient and how can we get you feeling better? What do you want all your patients to be able to walk away with? Or what do you, what do you hope all your patients feel, I guess, after? That Parkinson's has come such a long way that this is no longer the disease that oh my god i think patients feel like i have parkinson's i'm going to be bed bound mm-hmm. and wheelchair bound mm-hmm. no no 
That is not, that is no longer what this disease is. Yeah. And there's so many different things, so many different treatments that continue to come down the line that prevents that, that we could hopefully avoid that. Mm -hmm. And that's the goal. And the goal is we're a team. I want you to know that we are a team. The, I mean, the reason I got into neurology because of being interested in, in diseases that are so different, but I got into Parkinson's because I am now part of your family. Mm -hmm. I am in this with you. And we work together no matter what it is to try to make sure you're living the best quality of life, not quantity of life. That's very well said. Yeah. So you're a big proponent of exercise, it sounds like? Very. Yeah, it's, I mean, truthfully, in scientific, if you look at, I mean, from the scientific basis, it is the only thing proven that slows down the disease. People who exercise on a regular basis with Parkinson's need less medication. They have a better quality of life. Mm -hmm. They tolerate the disease better. They tolerate the medications better. It's clear cut night and day. My patients who exercise versus the ones that don't exercise, it is a dramatic, dramatic difference. It is interesting because I do remember somebody mentioned it one time. They're like, you have a movement disorder. You have a movement disease, right? Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you move? move. Like okay. versus sitting on the couch. Right. And anybody can move. Brian and I talk about it all the time. We have 80-year-olds in our exercise class mm -hmm. that are doing like the modified push-ups and modified Some burpees. Some of them are doing burpees. Some of them are doing that. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. So. And, but also realize, so dopamine, dopamine is our get-up-and-go chemical right it's our addiction chemical it's a chemical that gets up and goes and gets up for us to enjoy doing things mm -hmm. and when we lack it it becomes very natural for parkinson patients to just sit there mm -hmm. and let the world go by yeah i can do that if I right they're not depressed they may not be that may not be depression they're yeah. not sad yeah. they're apathetic it's apathy yeah right you're just like Egh. oh yeah right and that's where it takes that push you know once you exercise, you feel better. Mm -hmm. A thousand percent, you're going to feel better. So it takes that drive, that push. Sometimes it takes push from loved ones. That, mm -hmm. No, you're not sitting on the couch. You are going to get up and go. Mm -hmm. And you are going to move. And we're going to do this. We'll do it together. Get up and go. Because once you start doing it, all right. Okay. I know that I'm going to feel better. So I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah, I get hate texts from our trainer. <laughs> Where are you at? Where are you at? Because yeah. it does. You yeah. could just sit there. You could sit on that couch and let the world go by. Yeah and you could care less and that's because you just you don't have that drive that dopamine's not there mm -hmm. so it takes that push to get those that natural dopamine back to to get you to get up and move yeah well this is great dr patel thank you so much for thank joining you us. so I really so appreciate much. it my pleasure um in our last 30 seconds i'd like to leave you with this if you have been diagnosed with parkinson's by a general physician or a neurologist i urge you to seek out a movement disorder specialist they specifically focus on the care and the needs of Parkinson's and other movement disorders. There is not a one-size-fits-all with this disease. Parkinson's affects everyone differently, therefore the medications we, we take will react differently. You want a specialist who knows these medications inside and out. As always, continue to be your own advocate, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for coming. Thank you guys this so much. Great. Thanks for doing this. Yeah. This is phenomenal for patients everywhere. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited this is out there because you guys are doing more, I think, than we are doing because you're telling us what's it like living with mm -hmm. this disease and that's what we need to know. Yeah. Great. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is produced by Melissa Carlson and Steve Brandenburg. 
To contact us, email info at thesecretlifeofpd.org. The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not responsible or liable for any medical advice, diagnosis, course of treatment, or any other information obtained through this podcast. The information provided by The Secret Life of Parkinson's is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast. You are encouraged to consult a physician for a definitive diagnosis.